Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today on Personally Speaking, I'll be joined by Stephen Dubb, a principal of the Beechwood Organization, one of the largest developers of single, family, and multifamily attached housing in the country. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Stephen Dubb joins me now. Stephen is a principal of the Beechwood Organization, which was founded by his dad, Michael, in 1985. Since its founding, Beechwood has built more than 7,500 homes in 60 communities across the New York metropolitan area, with new sites in development throughout the country. Beechwood is the largest developer of residential housing on Long Island, New York, and one of the largest developers of single-family and multifamily attached housing in New York State. Stephen grew up in Brookville, New York, and graduated from New York University with a degree in studio art and real estate. He joined his father, Michael, founder and CEO of Beechwood, at the firm in 2008. Stephen is a supporter of Stoked, a charity promoting personal development, academic achievement, and healthy living to the underserved youth through action sports culture. In 2008, Stephen and his father, Michael, were honored by the Tillis Center for the Performing Arts for their philanthropic support. Stephen is here with us today to talk about the Beachwood organization, working with his dad, Michael, and his real estate market views today, especially in light of uh, both the pandemic and the impact that's had on the economy. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Stephen Dubb. Stephen, thanks, first of all, for coming on. And my first question relates to something I saw in the New York Times recently. There was a, an article in uh, the business section that I, I thought of you. It said that uh, a hard decision every child has to make is whether or not to go into the family business. Did you have to go through a lot of discernment to decide, uh, my father has worked out something wonderful, uh, the Beachwood organization is doing great things, I want to be a part of it. Or did you have other ideas about where you wanted to go in your life first? I think that I knew from, from when I was a really young kid that I wanted to be in, in his business. Um, I, I grew up going to the construction sites that, that he was on, that he was building, um, and uh, climbing through the houses that were you know, partially framed and under construction. Uh, and in my summers, when I was in middle school and high school, I worked on those construction sites as, as a laborer and then a painter, uh, uh, a framer, uh, and I just really enjoyed it. So it, it wasn't a hard decision for me. I, I always sort of knew that that's where I wanted to end up. Um, but after college, uh, I, I decided it was important to get other experience outside of the business, um, in part because I, I wanted, you know, when you come into a family business, a lot of people make judgment calls uh, or, or prejudge the son of the owner or the daughter of the owner. Uh, and the sons of and the daughters of can have pretty bad reputations. Um, and right. uh, and I, I didn't want to be that person to um, the employees of, of Beechwood. Uh, and frankly, I didn't want to be that person to myself. And I felt like I needed to prove myself uh, elsewhere. And so I, I went to work at a bank called Credit Suisse. Uh -huh. uh, 
in downtown Manhattan doing real estate lending for two years. And, um, and it was really, really fun. It was about, uh, the, the timing was 2008, 2009, so it was the worst of the recession. Right. Um, but, but we worked, um, we worked 90 hour weeks, uh, you know, 9 a.m. to midnight, you know, pretty consistently. And I learned a lot um, and, uh, and I made friends on the team and, and in the group that I was in. Um, and, and so when I, I actually got laid off, they, they really pared down the group in the recession and that was painful. Uh, and the next day I went to work for Beechwood, um, but I was able to bring something, some outside experience that I wouldn't have had otherwise if I had just gone to work for Beechwood right after college. Steve, when you decided to uh, move in another direction, going to Credit Suisse, uh, what was dad's reaction? I think he encouraged it. I, I think he thought, um, I think he thought it was a good idea for me to go out and, and get some experience in the outside world also. And I think mm-hmm. that he was also pretty conscious conscious of, of not steering me into the business if I wasn't necessarily sure that I wanted to be in it. In other words, he didn't want to make me go into the family business. Right. Uh, he wanted it to be my decision. Um, and uh, and so I, I really appreciated that from him. I've, I've never felt like this was something that I had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been something that I want to do, uh, even in the tough times. And um, and so, but I'm, I'm glad that, that it wasn't... Um, wasn't something that I felt forced into. We're talking to Stephen Dubb of the Beachwood organization. Stephen, I have to ask, uh, in other places I've read interviews with you uh, that was very impressive in terms of the special bond, respect, love, admiration you have for your dad. What kind of man is he that you have all those feelings for him? <laughs> um, so he's a, he's a really... I would describe him, without, without bragging, as a, as a deep down, a really good fair man. Okay. Uh, and sometimes he can have a, a hard exterior. Uh, you know, there's no making bones about it. I, well, I respected him and loved him growing up, but I was also a little bit afraid of him, like a lot of people. <laughs> right. um, but, but he, um, one thing that has never been in question has been his love, the, the deep love that he has for me and my two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even uh, at times where he's been stern with me in the past, and there've been a couple uh, I know it's coming from a good place. Um, and what I so appreciate about him uh, in terms of our working relationship and how he's treated me as a, a, the last 10 years or 11 years that I've been in the business um, is I can, it's almost as if I can do no wrong. I, compared with a lot of father-son or father-daughter relationships or mother-daughter relationships in family businesses, where the parent can be very or overly critical of their child. Yeah. Um, he, um, he really has not been very strict with me, uh, has not been very critical. He will offer his opinion here and there. Um, but I, I'm so appreciative uh, of, of how open he is with me and, and my thoughts and, and what I want to do. Um, and, and I think that, that, that builds the foundation for a really good relationship between um, yeah. me by the same token, I take the idea very seriously that I, I do not want to coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to rest on his laurels and on what he's done. And so I try to meet that, um, I try to meet that sort of open treatment that he gives me um, with a really, really hard work ethic. Uh, um, and, and, and I really try to contribute um, to the business because the last thing I'd ever want to do is not have a sense of self self-worth or a sense of contribution to the company. If, if I don't know if I'm articulating that well. Do you Steve, know what I mean? 
No, I, I get what exactly what you're saying. Stephen, how, at what point did your dad, uh, you know, they're always the trainer, they're the teachers, they're the dads. My dad was the same way. But there came a point where my dad could actually listen to my advice and take suggestions from me and I think maybe even learn a little bit from me. Did it take a long time for your dad to say, I have a son who has an insight that I may not have? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think coming from um, the, the world of finance out of college, um, sort of drank from a fire hose for two years in the sense that I, I did so much work and experienced working with so many different real estate companies and developers um, and, and learned a lot about the, the sort of opaque way that big projects get financed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think he, I, I, I'm not sure, frankly, how much that really helped us in the beginning, but he was always really deferential in terms of listening to my opinion. Wow. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly when my opinion really started to matter, but it always made me feel like it does. Isn't that great? I want to go back to Beachwood as an organization. Now, you may have one, maybe you don't have one, but um, some of the great companies seem to have an overarching uh, philosophy or uh, idealism that motivates a lot of what they do. Is there a clarity in terms of you or your dad's vision of what Beachwood is trying to accomplish? Um, I think we think about the projects that we build in terms of, in the context of the community that they're in. And mm-hmm. we never want to leave a community worse off than it was when we came in. And, and I think we've got a track record over 30 years of building, I think it's over 65 communities and 7,000 homes in wow. uh, Nassau and Suffolk counties and the outer boroughs of New York City. Um, and, and I feel really confident in saying that we've always helped to improve communities. Um, we've, never, we've never taken from communities. Second part is, is the experience that our homeowners or our renters have um, and for most of them, they're making the biggest purchase of their lives when they buy a home from us. And as much as you possibly can, can always please. And I'm sure you understand that. Right. We really, we really try to, um, we, we try to make happy homeowners and happy customers. And, and, um, and so I think the guiding philosophy overall would just be do right by people. Um, yeah. and if you put good things out into the world, good things tend to come back. Let, let me ask you too, uh, and I, I've always been concerned uh, with my own parishioners. I have 3,000 families here in the parish. But the pandemic, and I know it's we're right in the middle of coming out of it, so uh, there's no clear answers. For a guy in real estate, uh, people ask me all the time as if I would know and I don't, uh, is it best to hold on to my home? Should I think about selling? What's the market going to be like? Is the future so unsure that I can't count on anything? As you said before, usually the purchase of a home is the biggest expense they'll ever have. Uh, right. they, so what, what are you advising people in terms of uh, how do we go forward from this thing, this very unexpected and uh, shake-upable moment of the pandemic? So uh, overall, I think this will pass, right? So, um, so if somebody is scared, they shouldn't sell a home out of, out of fear. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they shouldn't be forced into making a bad deal because they're afraid. The yeah. world will come back um, in some ways. I, I can't believe it, but the stock market's basically at where it was uh, yeah. pre-COVID. Um, but the, the world will come back. Uh, and so if you are not forced to sell your house, then stay there. A house is not just an investment. It's also a home. And if you're right. happy there, um, then, then you should stay I, I, as much as possible. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not the case for everybody. But my advice would be try to live life uh, life goes on and try to live it as, as normally as you possibly can. And, and so, you know, example of that is when, when COVID first hit, 
we wondered if all these people who had bought homes from us that we were building were going to show up to the closing table. And not one person has backed away from closing on their home. And what that tells me uh, is people want to move on with life. They, mm-hmm. they've been, if it's a retirement community that we're building and they've been looking forward to getting out of their house and getting rid of having to deal with uh, the garbage man, with uh, mowing the lawn, with the snow removal, and they've been looking forward to living in a, a low maintenance condominium with this great clubhouse and community swimming pool, mm-hmm. and they want that lifestyle, well, maybe their house is worth a little bit more than it, than a little bit less than it was four months ago, yeah. but it's not necessarily just about the money. It's also about life. We've got limited time here on earth, unfortunately, and, and life's got to go on. Um, so I guess to summarize it, I would say, don't do anything out of panic, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, continue to live your life. If you have dreams, uh, then go ahead and, and pursue them. And if that's a, it's a dream home, then go ahead and buy it. You know, you, you know the people get scared of words. So when newspapers and media would talk about this as first recession, and then they drop the D word in there about this could be another depression. Uh, as a guy in the business, were you ever paralyzed by fear? Um, you can, I think you can be. I, I think at moments this this whole COVID thing has been overwhelming, and and when you uh, you read headlines and uh, you watch the market tanking. Sure. Uh, and uh, you know, news pay- news stories are out about how you know systems may be failing, credit systems, hospital systems. Um, it can be overwhelming. And and what I keep reminding myself to get through this in terms of you know on day by day basis is, you you just got to focus on what you can control. Mm-hmm. And and when you you sort of put the rest of that stuff aside that is totally out of your control, and you focus on the things that you can actually affect. Um, that's how you get away from being paralyzed. Uh, and I find that that if you focus on what you can control, then good things tend to happen. So you're a positive person, aren't you? Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I learned that. I wouldn't have character, characterized myself as a, as a positive person before this, but um, I would, as bad as the news was at the worst times of the COVID crisis in New York, um, I woke up every day optimistic. And I couldn't tell you why, but but um, but I just was, and you know, good things seem like they're starting to happen. Life is returning, so I think uh, that's great. Yeah, you can't expect, Stephen, that you're going to be on a program like this with a, a Catholic priest who's not going to say somewhere in the family background. Tell me spiritually, where have you guys been? Where have you come from? Yeah, um, so so my dad is Jewish and my mom is Roman Catholic. Ah. They've been married for 38 years, um, and my wife is Unitarian. So, <laughs> you, you got everything covered. <laughs> yeah, for all sides. Um, and, uh, and so I, I identify as Jewish. I was raised Jewish. I was right. bar mitzvah. I went to Hebrew school. But we also celebrated uh, Easter and Christmas in, in my house and, and at my cousin's house. And so I've been sort of been steeped in Judeo-Christian values my entire life. Um, and, and I don't... Um, not very devout. I celebrate holidays. Um, We still celebrate Christmas and Easter and and the Jewish holidays here in in our house. Um, But I do appreciate what I learned, what I've learned from the Torah, what I've learned from Hebrew school, the things I picked up from the Bible over the years, because I think that the the values that they teach and the stories in them Mm -hmm. um, apply to all aspects of life. And I've carried them with me and that sort of informs uh, how I conduct myself. And so, uh, you know, I'm really appreciative for that. 
I think that's great. I think I might be the priest on Long Island who does the most uh, Catholic Jewish weddings. I wish yeah. I knew your parents back then. You know, <laughs> I got to ask you, one of the aspects of real life on Long Island and around the country is uh, this great discussion and debate about affordable housing. Uh, is it a problem in our country and how does Beachwood address it? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, so we address it in in a bunch of different ways. Um, on the one hand, we, we look to build um, specifically affordable projects. So I'm, I'm working on a building right now in Brooklyn that will be 50 highly affordable um, rental apartments. So mm-hmm. you're talking about very low levels of income, people who were formerly homeless uh, and different levels up. So one aspect of it is to just focus on building affordable housing. The second is mixing affordable housing in with our um, non-affordable uh, communities. And so we are building a 750 home community in Plainview right now, mm-hmm. of which 90 homes are for senior affordables, for, for um, uh, seniors who are 62 and over. And, and those homes will be about $300,000, I think, although the price changes year by year based mm-hmm. on a number of factors. Um, and we're building a 400 home community uh, out in Yapank at exit 68, and 10% of that community is affordable as well. And so I, I think the idea of um, taking a piece of every community and building a segment of affordable housing and mixing it in with the rest of the community works really well. Um, it, it's not always easy to do because every landowner who looks to sell us or another developer a piece of land thinks that they're sitting on gold. Right. And <laughs> when you tell them there's 10% or so that you're gonna have to build affordable uh, and you're really gonna lose money on them, uh, they don't want to hear it. So right. uh, so it presents problems, but that's the business we're in and we deal with it. Um, I, I think the issue is getting more and more attention, not just in the New York area, but all around the country. Um, and, uh, and, and it's tough. I don't know that there are any magic bullets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see in our industry, a lot of increased regulation that, that increase our costs. It makes it even harder to build affordable housing. Yeah. Um, but, um, but like I said, um, earlier on when you asked me about sort of our philosophy as a company, it's, it's really to build housing for people and, and, and um, give people better lives. And so we view affordable housing, we don't want to exclude anyone. And so we build, we, we view affordable housing as being part of that philosophy. You know, it's great that you're doing that. Is a lot of the decision to be uh, putting aside a certain amount of the property for affordable housing, is it the kind of thing you choose to do as an organization or is it more and more becoming a, a government mandate? More and more, it's it's a government mandate. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a bit of a complicated question. In some cases, um, it's it's not necessarily mandated, but we choose to do it otherwise. Okay. And then the the all affordable projects that we build, those are projects that we we choose to do of our own volition um, okay. as a way to give back. So it's a it's a mix of everything. Stephen, I would presume that uh, to be in your work could become easily a uh, 24-7 commitment. Uh, you have stuff going on every single day. It's about people's life choices and life futures. What does Stephen do to remain normal, to keep his feet on the ground, uh, <laughs> to, to live a life, you know, and not just be wedded to your work? Um, so uh, so I, I don't know that anybody would say I'm normal. Uh, <laughs> and and I keep a, um, a pretty tight-knit group of friends who make sure they keep my feet on the ground. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, there's no allowing any egos to blossom in, in my group of friends, which which I really appreciate. 
Um, and they're, they're friends who aren't in the, the home building or real estate business. And I, and I appreciate that because when, when I'm hanging out with those friends, uh, there aren't a lot of occasions where work comes up. So it allows me to really separate my work life from, um, from relaxing or from hanging out with my friends. Um, so I think that helps. And otherwise I play tennis, I ski, I surf. Uh, I got up at five <laughs> this morning to go surfing. Um, and I'll tell you a, a, a good morning of surf will go a long way towards easing anxieties. So it certainly helps. Now, I know it's early on in the game, but I have to ask you a question. Do you want to be a dad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Okay. Um, I, I, we, um, we've just, so we got married. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary. Okay. And the, is, the next step is children. And I could not be more excited for anything in life than to have kids. Do you think you'll have the time to uh, be a hands-on dad or will, again, work get in the way? Um, when I think about it, I'd certainly like to. And one thing that my dad did for me, I played a lot of little league baseball. My mm -hmm. sisters played a, a ton of, of little league soccer and travel soccer. Um, and he showed up for every single game of ours. And that's a full-time schedule. Uh, and part of the reason that I work so hard right now, and you're hundred percent right in that it is a 24 seven job. Yeah. It's relentless is that, uh, hopefully when I have kids, I'm able to be in a position where I can spend time with my kids. I don't want to be an absentee father. Yeah. Stephen Dubs, our guest from the Beachwood Organization. Stephen, I promise not too much longer, but I wanted to ask you, uh, in 2020, you and I, we talked already about living through this pandemic and how that upended things. But the other story that's going to be part of our permanent memory of 2020 is this incredible uh, tension racially. Uh, I can't imagine that the real estate business doesn't get pulled into the question of what's fair, what's good, what's just, what's socially right to do. Uh, I know this is so premature a question to ask you, but do you have any insights because you're on the front line by providing people with homes on how we can as a country uh, make things a little easier, a little fairer, a little more open-minded? And uh, do you see us finally coming out of this most recent conflict, slightly better people for it? Um, short answer to that last part of the question would be, yeah, I think so. Um, okay. I, I think what's what one of the things that I've noticed um, is – it, when when you see all the protests going on, there are so many non-minority, there's so many white people at these protests. And yeah. I think that sets it apart from protests in the past, certainly in the civil rights movement, not that there weren't. Right. Uh, uh, but, and there's so much talk about not, not necessarily, if you're not a minority, not speaking, but listening. Mm -hmm. And, and I agree with that. And, and I think that that will make us as a society, a better place. Um, I, I think, Every person you talk to has strong opinions on what's going on in the country right now, mm -hmm. and and I, and it's it's terrible, you know, to see this much civil strife um, uh, is is horrible. But I, I do think we'll come out the other side better for it. Um, and and I've I am not one to to go out and espouse my opinions or say we should do this or we should do that because I'm not an expert. Right. Uh, what I what, what I, uh, and my, my wife is, is very, very outspoken um, on the issues and, and she works in, in tech uh, and the tech industry is, is really on the front lines of, of, uh, of this issue. And they're, they're having a lot of conversations internally about, uh, in, the, in her company, about race and what they can do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all great. Um, I think that sometimes, but at the same time, I think people don't do their best thinking or make their best decisions when they're angry. Yeah, and so um, what I hope to see is is um, some really good policy 
well thought out policy come out of this, um, you know, out of this national conversation. Mm-hmm. It hopefully helps to to alleviate the issues that I think we all admit are out there in society. Yeah. Uh, and put us on a better path. Uh, but if I had a prescription or a solution for it, I'd be running. <laughs> you'd be you'd be uh, right on top of the mountain. Uh, my my couples, I do about 150 weddings a year. They want to stay living on Long Island, but of course the the issue always is cost of living, taxes. Um, are you a person of hope who would say to the senior citizen or to the young couple getting married, "Don't leave us yet. There's a future here." So so we we pride ourselves on building communities for those seniors who want to stay on Long Island but otherwise think that they can't afford it. Um, and so uh, out in Suffolk County, our, our Country Point Meadows community has real, by the way, one of the things that drives people off of Long Island is the cost of real estate taxes. Yeah. Uh, and Suffolk County's real estate taxes are among the highest in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have children in our school districts, it doesn't make any sense to pay them. And so our, our Country Point Meadows community out in Yapank uh, taxes start at $4,000 a year and they go to $7,000 a year. And it's much more affordable uh, for, for our seniors. Um, I would say uh, try to stay on Long Island, but I understand that for some people it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, New York is a high cost area and it's unfortunate. I think some of that has to do with um, a lot of the laws and regulations that have been passed having that effect of driving people out. Um, and the reality is that some people are going to leave. And I've been to North Carolina and I've been to South Carolina and I've been <laughs> to Florida plenty. There, those are beautiful places. So uh, we are actually starting a division of Beachwood Homes in, in North and South Carolina. <laughs> okay. Um, because whether whether you stay on Long Island or you leave, we're going to build a home for you. And we're gonna- <laughs> you can't get away from the Beachwood organization. I want to exactly. thank Stephen Dove for being with us. And uh, Stephen, for people who are interested in uh, more about Beachwood and, and what you guys represent, what you stand for, how can they find out more information about your organization? Uh, easiest way is our website. It's beachwoodhomes.com, B-E-E-C-H-W-O-O-D-H-O-M-E-S.com. Beautiful. Again, thanks to Stephen Dub. Stephen, you're articulate, you're smart, you have a kind heart, you have an open mind. I hope we hear from you and uh, that you continue to do great things for many years to come. And thank you so much for being on Personally Speaking. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. It was so much Good fun. Good luck to you, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to send to us, please send them to me at www.closeencountertv.com. You can listen to Personally Speaking podcasts with some of our most recent shows. Just go to YouTube and search Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Losanti and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, and Spotify. You can also listen to past episodes by going again to www.closeencountertv.com, all one word, closeencountertv.com, and clicking on the radio button at the top of the page. Additionally, personally speaking, episodes are available on www.ollmp.org. You'll get not only past shows, but the weekly homilies of Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Thank you so much for being with us. Please spread the news about personally speaking, and we'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.